Book three, chapter five of Clara Vaughan, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Clara Vaughan, volume two by R. D. Blackmore. Book three, chapter five. When Isola came on the Thursday, and I obtained some little glimpse of her, she expressed her joy in a thousand natural ways, well worth feeling and seeing, not at all worth telling. I loved her for them more and more. I never met a girl so warm of heart. Many women can sulk for days. Most women can sulk for an hour. I believe that no provocation could have made Isola sulky for two minutes. She tried, sometimes, at least she said so, but it was no good and yet she felt as keenly as any of the very sulkiest women can do but she had too much warmth of heart and imagination to live in the folds of that cold-blooded snake neither had she the strong selfishness on which that serpent feeds in the afternoon as we still sat together in rushed mrs shelfer with her bonnet on quite out of breath and without her usual ceremony of knocking at the door i could not think where she had been all the day and she had made the greatest mystery of it in the morning and wanted to have it noticed up she ran to me now, and pushed Isola out of the way. "'Got him at last, miss! Got him at last, and no mistake! No more Dr. Franks, nor bandages, nor curtains drawn, nor nothing! Save a deal of trouble, and do it in no time! But what a job I had to get them, to be sure! If the cook's mate hadn't no Charlie, they would not have let me have him, after going all the way to Wapping!' She holds up something in triumph. "'What is it, Mrs. Shelfer? I'm sorry to say I cannot see.' and right down glad of it i am my good friend yes yes or i should have had all my journey for nothing but miss adolls no i'll be bound she does and it's no good going to college let me look at it first says isola we learn almost everything at college mrs shelfer but even we senior sophists don't know everything without seeing it yet then put your pretty eyes on them miss idols i'll be bound it will make them caper i never seen such fine ones nor the cook's mate either why they're as big as young whelks mollusca or crustacea or something exclaims isola with more pride than accuracy what queer little things i must take them to my papa now young ladies cried mrs shelfer in her grandest style i see i must explain them to you after all them's the blessed shells the poor sailors put in their eyes to scour them out and keep them bright and make them see in the dark against the wind only see how they crawls there now miss valence i'll pick you out two big lively fellows and pop one in for you in the corner of each eye the cook's mate showed me how to lift your eyelids how kind of him to be sure and it will crawl about under the lid you must not mind its hurting a bit and it won't come out till to-morrow when the clock strikes twelve and then it will have eaten up every bit and your eyes will be brighter than diamonds charlie has seen them do it ever so many times he says it's bootiful and they don't mind giving five shillings apiece for them when they're scarce did Mr. Shelfer ever try them? His eyes are so sharp. Perhaps that is the reason. No, I never heard that he did, miss, but bless you, he never tells me half he does. No, nor a quarter of half. At this recollection she fetches a little short sigh, her nearest approach to melancholy, for she is not sentimental. Care killed the cat is her favorite aphorism. Then when he comes home, Mrs. Shelfer, pop one of these shells, a good big one, into each of his eyes, and let us know the effect to-morrow morning, and I'll give you a kiss if you do it well. This is the bribe Isola finds most potent with everybody. Lord, Miss Idols, bless your innocent heart. Do you suppose he would let me? Why, he thinks it is a great thing to let me tie his shoe, and he won't only when he has had a good dinner. Well, cries Isola, I am astonished. Catch me tying my husband's shoes. I shall expect him to tie mine, I know, and he shall only do that when he is very good. With a regal air she puts out the prettiest foot ever seen, 
Mrs. Shelfer laughs. Lord, miss, it is all very well for girls to talk, and they all does it till they knows better, though for the likes of you any one would do anything a-most. Pray, Miss Idols, if I may make so bold, how many offers of marriage have you received? Let me think. Oh, I know, it is one more than I am years old. Eighteen altogether, Mrs. Shelfer, if you count the apothecary's boy, and the nephew of the library. But then they were all of them boys, papa's pupils, and that a deal too young for me. They were all going to die when I refused them, but they are all alive so far at any rate. Isn't it too bad of them? Well, Miss Idols, if you get as good a husband as you deserve, and that is saying a deal, he'll tie your shoe, maybe for a month, and then he'll look for you to tie his. And long he may look, even if he has shellfish in his eyes. Why, look, Mrs. Shelfer, they're all crawling about. Beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful. I wish Miss Valens could see them. And look at the horns they goes routing about with. How they must tickle your eyelids, and what curious eyes they has. Ah, I often think, Miss Idols, I likes this sort of thing so much. What a pity it is, as I wasn't born in the country. I should never be tired of watching the snails and the eerie wigs and the tadpoles. Why, I likes nothing better than to see them stump-legged things come to the table in the cabbage. I have not seen one now for ever so long. Oh, that Charlie, what dreadful lies he do tell. What about, Mrs. Shelfer? Why, my good friend, he says them green things with stripes on, and ever so many legs, turns to live butterflies after they be dead. But I was too many for him there. Yes, yes. The last one, as I boiled, I did not say a word about it to him, but I put it by in a chiny teacup, with the saucer over in case it should fly away. Bless your heart, young ladies, there it is now, as quiet as anything, and no signs of a butterfly. And when he tells me any lies about where he was last night, I just goes to the cupboard and shows him that, and never another word can he say. And so, Miss Valence, you won't try these little snails after my journey and all? Of course I won't, Mrs. Shelfer, but I am sincerely obliged to you for your trouble, as well as for all your kind nursing, which I can never forget. Now, let me buy those shellfish from you, and Missy Sola will take them as a present to her papa. No, no, unless he will put them in his eyes, miss. I won't have them wasted. Charlie will sell them again in no time. He knows lots of sailors. Most likely he'll get up a raffle for them and win them himself. Away she hurries to take off the bonnet she has been so proud of for the last two and twenty years. Though I declined the services of the ophthalmist snails, my sight returned very rapidly. How delicious it was to see more and more every day. Plenty of cold water was the present regimen. Vision is less a vision every time I use it. In a week more I can see quite well, though obliged to wear a shade. One morning dear Isola runs upstairs out of breath as usual, but what is most unusual, actually frowning. Has Cora tyrannized, or what? Through the very shade of her frown comes her sunny smile as she kisses me. Oh, I am so vexed. I have brought him to the door, and now he won't come in. Who, my darling? Why, Connie, to be sure, my brother Conrad. I had set my heart on showing him to you directly you could see. Why won't he come in? Because he thinks that you ought not to see strangers until you are quite well. He has not got to the corner yet. I can run like a deer. Send word by me that you are dying to see him. Not quite that, but say how glad I shall be. I'll say that you won't get well till you do. Say what you like. He will know it's only your nonsense. Off she darts. She is quick as light in her movements, and soon returns with her brother. I lift my weak eyes to his bright ones, and recognize at once the preserver of my mother and myself. But I see, in a moment, that he has not the faintest remembrance of me. My whole face is altered by my accident, and even my voice affected by the long confinement. When he met me in the wood, he seemed very anxious not to look at me. When he saved my life from the rushing mountain, he had little opportunity. 
very likely he would not have known me under another name even without this illness so let it be i will not reveal myself i thanked him once and he repulsed me no doubt he had a reason for i see that he is a gentleman let that reason hold good i will not trespass on it he took my hand with a smile the counterpart of his olas he had heard of me so constantly that i must excuse the liberty a dear friend of his sister's could be no stranger to him a thrill shot through me at the touch of his hand and my eyes were weak he saw it and placed a chair for me further from the light on his own face not the sun for the drawing-room windows looked north but the strong reflection of the noonday light was falling how like he is to isola and yet how different so much stronger and bolder and more decided so tall and firm of step his countenance opens as the noon incapable of concealment yet if he be the same and how can i doubt it then at least there seemed to be some mystery about him isola with the quickness of a girl saw how intently i observed him and could not hide her delight there now clara dear i knew you would like him but you must not look at him so much or your poor eyes will be sore little stupid as i felt my pale cheeks colouring i could almost have been angry even with my isola but she meant no harm in spite of lectures and college she was gentle nature personified and no professors could make anything else of her all these things run in the grain if there is anything i hate i am sure i hate affectation but there is a difference between us probably it is this i am of pure english blood and she is not that i know by instinct what blood she is of i am sure i cannot tell gentle blood at any rate or i could not have loved her so how horribly narrow-minded after all my objectivity well what i mean is that i can like and love many people who are not of gentle but i suppose of ferocious blood still as a general rule culture and elegance are better matches for nature after some generations of training my father used to say so about his pointers and setters the marvel is that i who belong to this old streak seem to have gotten some twist in it my grandmother would have swooned at the names of some people i love more than i could have loved her my mother would not but then she was a christian probably that is the secret of my twist all this has passed through my mind before i can frown at isola and now i cannot frown at all dear little thing she is not eighteen and she knows no better i have attained that englishwoman's majority three weeks ago and i am sorry for isola to break the awkwardness her brother starts off into subjects of art he has heard of my drawings may he see them some day i ask him about the magnificent stag yes that is his and i have no idea how long it took him to do he speaks of it with no conceit whatever neither with any deprecation for the purpose of tempting praise as he speaks i observe some peculiarity in his accent isola's accent is as pure as mine or purer her brother speaks very good english and he never hesitates for a word but the form of his sentences often is not english especially when he warms to his subject and what struck me first for i am no purist as to collocation of words his accent his emphasis is not native the difference is very slight and quite indescribable but a difference there is perhaps it is rather a difference of the order of thought than of language as regards the cast of the sentence but that will not account for the accent and if it would it still shows another nationality there is a loud knock at the door i am just preparing with isola's help my little hospitalities if london visits mean much talk and no food i hold by gloucestershire and devon i have a famous north devon ham and am proud of its fame surely no more visitors for me no but one for mrs shelfer the professor has heard of the eye-shells and what politeness humanity love of his daughter failed to do science has effected he is come to see and secure them 
His children hear his voice. Of course, we must ask him to come up. Mr. Conrad rises. Isola runs to fetch her father. Isola loves everybody. I do believe she loves old Cora. Conrad is of sterner stuff, but surely he loves his father. As for me, we were just getting on so well. I wanted no professor. Isola's brother will not tell a lie. He does not remember, all at once, any pressing engagement. He holds out his hand, saying simply, Miss Valence, I heartily beg your pardon for leaving so suddenly, and just when we were giving you so much trouble. It would be impertinence for me to tell you the reason. It is a domestic matter. I trust you will believe me that no light reason would make me rude. May I come again with Isola to see your drawings soon? He meets the professor on the stairs. The latter enters the room under evil auspices for my good opinion. End of Book 3, Chapter 5